0: This is the one with not enough to fill a clinker mole's belly,
1: militarized mobility scooters,
0: and the offices of the Gouverneur.
1: It's called Vengeance on Varus.
0: Here we go! <laughs> we're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space, counting Daleks, Thalant boot and the Cybertronic race. Tontorans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales, and the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales when reviewing all of who there is who back when subscribe and red or night use please episode by episode we're trudging down this road. come join us on this see what other choice could there be that who back when who back when holy Rooney's and cheesecakes podcast land welcome to oh it's been too long another fantastic classic who episode of who back when a doctor who podcast or Doc past. <laughs> yeah, there my Jim's at. Hello, Jim. That's right. That's Jim Podcast Land. Hello, Jim. And I'm Leon. And we are talking about uh flipping insane balls, crazy bananas. Either fantastic or not so good, depending on whom you ask. Episode of classic Doctor Who today. We're talking about what, Jim?
1: A uh, vengeance on Varus.
0: Yeah, that's right. Mere seconds for you and I, Jim, but a whole theme song ago for Podcast lands. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did do a little double take there. It's probably not going to come out in the edit of just like, didn't I just <laughs> what, say this? Don't they know this just... Leon? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Jim Cakes, Vengeance on Varos. Uh, talk me through it. How do you feel?
1: I actually don't know how I feel. I'm looking to you to tell me how I should feel, to be honest, Mr. Leo. Oh,
0: oh well, I mean, it's not like I'm going to enforce some strict execution-centric rule if you don't feel the right thing, mm. dude. You do you, but if you ask me, holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes, do I love this? Yikes, caramba. <laughs> good, good
1: stuff. <laughs> then maybe yeah. you can talk me up from my middling ground of uncertainty.
0: Oh, I'm absolutely going to try to do that. I feel like there's quite a lot to sink our teeth into in this serial. And I do have a couple of introductory questions for you. But before we jump into all that jazz, shall we explain to Podcastland what Vengeance on Varos is all about?
1: You mean some kind of bite-sized chunk of who?
0: Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. (laughs) Let's. Time for us to synopsize. Lobify and summarize. So take a view. And grab a brief. And listen to and this view. overview. This free-for-all. We like to call a bite sized Chunk of Who. bite sized Chunk of Who. On the former prison planet of Varos, the Varosians have two major exports. Zyton 7, a precious metal used to fuel space and time ships, and reality TV. Toiling under the sadistic military rule of the governor, the Verosians record every aspect of their horrifying prison world and broadcast it all as televised entertainment. And interestingly, this is a brutal democracy where even the governor can be voted to death on live TV. To add a further layer of political complexity, the government is also somehow at the mercy of a mining corporation imposing unfair trade tariffs for their export of Zyton 7, and Sill, mentor and local mining rep, has his sights on becoming governor himself.
1: Meanwhile, somewhere and sometime else, the Sixth Doctor and Perry are suffering some technical difficulties with the TARDIS and head to Varus for replacement Ziton 7. Pretty soon... They're thrust into a violent uprising against the governor, led by a woman with low self-esteem and a man with no acting talent. When they're not firing lasers or drowning guards in acid, they're forced to endure hellish torment at the hands of the government, or to impose a peaceful and egalitarian society in the last minute of the serial. Needless to say, it's a balls.
0: Hey, you said it, Jim. <laughs> That's your racing. <laughs> you wrote it, Leon. <laughs> Beast cow over. <laughs>
1: You are welcome.
0: (laughs) Aren't you just? Do you want to tell me why your view of this serial is middling? Because doesn't that just sound like a spiffing serial to you?
1: I think mostly I'm middling on it because I found myself kind of laughing at elements that I didn't think were meant to be comedic. Like, I don't actually know if anything in this serial is meant to be comedic. But I think I was kind of like smiling at some of the stupidity on display.
0: (laughs) That's completely fair. Are we talking stupidity like bumbling guards or stupidity as in terrible acting or caricaturistic characters?
1: Yeah, maybe maybe a bit of all of that, perhaps. I'm no. not sure. Like I think a lot of my little I mean, smiley fair. face notes are to do with guards actually. <laughs> either either they're <laughs> just casually walking into laser beams and disintegrating that's right. or they're falling into acid. <laughs> Or <laughs> shooting at the TARDIS while Doc and Perry just kind of—they, I think they were laughing at the guard. It's like oh, this silly fool shooting at the TARDIS. That's going to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just Pretty lots of stuff. weird moments where I, yeah, I couldn't quite tell if it was intentionally kind of tongue-in-cheek stuff or whether this was meant to be, you know, a straight-up serious adventure. Or yeah, I, just, I don't know. Just a little bit, yeah, uncertain. Fair. Yeah. So. So help me, Leon. Come on, give me give me some starter points or questions or ruminations. Okay.
0: okay. Well, why don't we just like start off easy by talking about some of the characters or e- even just the setting itself? How do you feel about the Verosians and their madcap government?
1: <laughs> well, the first note I actually wrote down well. The the first thing I referenced, other than a character that we will come back to at some point, oh, is yeah. that I got massive 1984 vibes. It's the first thing oh, I, interesting. I got from it. This watching, being forced to watch stuff, and you're monitored. There's a lots lots of that kind of big brother, yeah, yeah, style thing. And you you picked out when you wrote the Beescale this kind of televised entertainment side of it which later on i then kind of like pigeonholed that as like goggle box it's like because we end up watching the people watching the tv a lot of the time you know
0: that is super duper true yeah
1: and i don't know what my point was
0: I'm not entirely sure I understand how this system of government works, but I am prepared to believe that it is amazing. I mean, despicable, and I would obviously never vote for it, but absolutely amazing. So we have a governor. He doesn't have a government. There is just a governor, just one person who rules the military... That governor is only around and in power for as long as he is not executed. And every single decision that this governor makes, it seems, is televised. And if people people either vote to go with the governor's suggestion or to execute the governor, (laughs) that seems to be it. And it's just a yay or nay, or rather, it's a yay or execute option that people have built into their TVs to do this. But, at the same time, we also get a hint at a backstory where this used to be a prison planet. And someone, I can't remember who, I think it's James Bond Jr., who says, the descendants of the officer class are still in charge. Oh, yeah. So there's this suggestion... Right? Which they, I don't think, ever explore, but there's this suggestion that perhaps, yeah, I don't know, perhaps the people who live in the prison itself, like in the cells, in the in the city, are the descendants of prisoners and the people who ran the prison are now the government. Something to that effect.
1: Yeah, I guess that makes some kind of sense. Because then they talk about how they, take, they pick the next governor when it looks like this governor's reign is over. He yeah. explains, then there's did he call them magistrates? I'm not quite sure, but it, there was a different level of. How do you know it was it was from like the guards because he was saying the the guard that was pointing the gun at them could have been could be chosen to be the next governor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so just anyone who is part of that let's call them a class in that society yeah. could be randomly chosen to be the next governor. So it does it does kind of fit that yeah they're. They would have to have some kind of incestuous maybe reproduction going on as, as well. Hey, or to... you did it. You went there.
0: Okay, <laughs> I had, n- had not thought of that. Now I can think of nothing else. <laughs> 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 that makes perfect sense. So okay, yeah. So there is that. But then there's also the weird mining corporation that's imposing all these unfair tariffs or taxes on on or maybe like a, a ridiculously low price for the ore that they're that they're buying. But why are they in charge like there's there's some element of them manipulating the governor that i do not get
1: yeah i think i wasn't too hot on that either like there's obviously this conspiratorial thing going in 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 with the chief i think it's the chief who's working with the mustache oh wow that guy hello or as i i didn't realize at the time but have have since discovered king john from maid marion if anyone what what
0: Wait, wait, wait. King John Maid, from Maid Marian?
1: Maid Marian and her merry men. Yeah, the guy that plays Chief Officer, Forbes Collins, was King John.
0: That's incredible. And also, can I just offer a little bit of trivia since you said that? The guy who plays Kendall, he, or Skim- Jason Connery... Or
1: Jordan, as I call him.
0: <laughs> Jason Connery, son of Sean Connery. He, later on, played the titular Robin Hood in, as in, he played Robin Hood in the show Robin Hood, right after this. Oh, Robin Hood Sherwood. Right. Yeah. So we have oh Robin of Sherwood, sorry. So we have two separate Robin Hood connections. That is crazy bananas.
1: That is a bit spooky, actually. When did May Marion right. start actually? That was maybe nineties? Eighty-nine. Never... Yeah, so not Oh man. It's probably terrible. Is actually. it good? As a kid, as a kid it was brilliant. Like it's Tony Robinson, it's, it's his brainchild and it's just flipping uh-huh. the whole Robin Hood thing on its head and May Marion is the, the lead rebel and it's yeah, it's a stupid comedy thing. <laughs> Probably, I'm
0: heading to made. Oh, there we go, Maid Marian and her married man. Probably, men. really
1: aimed at children. This looks. Oh, I see. What?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, there there is. George George was in it. There we go. Red oh. dwarf.
1: I can sneak in red dwarf
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> well done. This looks amazing. I mean, by amazing, I'm saying I think you might need to have been there in order to have gotten it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I'm now
0: looking at a to. picture of Tony Robinson's pockets being picked by an elephant. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, good yeah. stuff. Uh, that's that's freaky. I feel like I totally cut you off with the Robin Hood twosome. But if sorry, back to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, the point was that there's this conspiracy with the chief and Sill. So that's it. Yes. And it, it's it's said and implied multiple times. I think that the chief has outlived at least one other governor. Like the chief is there in a subordinate role, but yeah. has been in a position long enough that. He can manipulate things. So that's kind of why I assumed this, what do they call this, this mining corporation has more yeah, of a leeway than it should, because the chief has made that happen. Oh, and they, I see. Because they, they, when they have their, their main kind of conspiratorial discussion, like halfway through the second episode, I think, they know that the Zyton 7 is more valuable than they are marketing it for. And the chief must be getting some cut of something. I can't remember what was in it for the chief, really selling his own people's material cheap.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if maybe the chief thought that he was next in line to be the governor. Because at some point he goes, uh, screw you, I'm going to vote you out of this. Oh, maybe not. Maybe he just wants... Maybe he just wants to be on air. He wants screen time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I'm kind of assuming that the chief did not realize that Sill wanted to be governor. I mean, I didn't even realise that Sill wanted to be governor until the sort of the end of
1: part two. I think that conversation went where the chief wasn't surprised. Like I think Sill said that, like, my forces are gonna come here, we're gonna secure this planet, I'm gonna be the governor. And I don't think the chief was surprised at that. I think I think that kind of oh, fit I see. with their schemes. Okay. I, yeah i don't quite understand why i guess it's just maybe he just likes being in a position of power like he is in a corrupt society he's obviously benefiting from that through yeah. some means of whatever and the longer he can keep that position and be in the pocket of someone who is more powerful than him but treating him yeah, big on. like a confidant then yeah. why not carry it on
0: yeah that's that's a fair assumption i think It's also, I I think you're totally right. On top of that, just personality-wise, he is more compatible with his kind of society than the governor is. The governor is Mm. susceptible to a more idealistic and and egalitarian view of the world. The the chief would never be persuaded by Doc to just go, oh, wait, hang on, this thing that we've been doing is wrong. (laughs) Maybe we should do it differently. Whereas the governor, in quite literally seven seconds, is swayed to entirely change his views <laughs> 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 abandon everything he's
1: done <laughs> i mean to be fair yeah. he had had nearly died at that point <laughs> yeah, that like, is true not yeah. just not just died, nearly been executed by his own government on television I mean, it's, you know. <laughs>
0: it's yeah it's incredible how flexible your morals become when you're at death's door, yeah. <laughs> So, what about the two people that we get to see? We meet literally only two people on Varos who aren't gods or Vero- the, the government, the Varosian government, or Syl. And they are this Greek chorus of true goggle boxers. They are the people watching the show that we are watching being acted out. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> make, make it really asc- acidic. Make it. Make it so acidic that you could chuck a god into it.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I hate it that much. I just felt like it was... <sighs> I don't do you know if I've do? ever seen that done well, to be honest. This <laughs> idea of... Yeah, that's probably true, And actually. it's it's maybe like the third time I can think of in recent classics where it's happened, where we cut oh. to someone who's sitting on the sidelines, maybe not watching everything quite like these guys are, because they, they have a television and it's all being televised. Yeah. But at some point not involved in the action and just sitting back and going, Oh, what's it, what's happening over there, mate? Oh yeah. He's he's running down that corridor, you know, something stupid like that. And it's just, I don't think it ever works unless. this. You're you're an actual comedy film, or it's just delivered with more <laughs> devotion, perhaps than this is given. Yeah,
0: I couldn't quite figure them out. Like, I, I couldn't figure out if they were co-workers, and that was their office in a sense, and their job was to watch this TV show or if they lived together this was their shared home and their the expectation of them as citizens was to watch the tv show together or whatever i mean they don't seem to be related to one another they don't seem they don't seem like a romantic couple i, no, I don't really understand I don't what they do like what what are they doing in this room
1: <laughs> so i i took it to be uh, some kind of home or maybe maybe it is a designated viewing space i don't know but I didn't think it was an office because the guy came in. I don't even care what he's called. I was going to look him up. No. I think the Gogglebox guy, Gogglebox yeah. lady. That, that's who they are. Uh, the enough. guy comes yeah. in <laughs> and he's talking about like the stress he's had at work or something. You know, it, it's very much a kind oh, he of does. You're right. Returning from work to a place of relaxation or, you know, semi-relaxation. Maybe they, this a is their place home. Place to lie there. down.
0: Yeah, maybe they're flatmates. Yeah. Maybe they're like cell cellmates. Cellmates.
1: Yeah, I think maybe that's the idea. Yeah, maybe this is meant to be a prison cell repurposed as a sort of home. Yeah,
0: that's that's actually um, how I have phrased it in my question. I've written, "What do the two people in the office slash cell do?" This was one of my introductory questions. Um, yeah, because they do talk about this being a former prison, so possibly, yeah, possibly this is where two prisoners would have been held
1: captive. I think maybe it would have been a bit clearer if she went off at one point and came back from whatever work she was doing because she was there the entire time and most of it was like knitting or writing writing reports on their viewing and stuff i don't know yeah
0: they they are all this is the 1984 aspect i'm glad that you brought that up that's very 1984 isn't it where they kind of also have to review each other in a sense like every day they have to make a little report of this person seems to be a subversive and maybe take him to room 101 only made one note about Google Box guy. I think his name is Arag. It's just can he please button his jacket? Like that that <laughs> pissed me off. It really it really bogged me that it was Undone down to his navel is yeah gross. And then I looked up trivia and I found something about her. Was this the trivia that you found? Because I know that you have no, tri- actor trivia.
1: No, yeah, I got excited earlier because I discovered that this uh, the skinny Flash Gordon was Sean Connery's son. I didn't oh, realize Oh, that was
0: that. oh that was your thing. Yeah, yeah, that's Jason yeah, yeah. Connery. Yeah, I didn't recognize him at first. I saw his name in the credits after part one. I'm like, of course that's him. I remember him from Bullet to Beijing and Midnight in St Petersburg, which were really shit, made for VHS sequels to the Ipcrest file with Michael Caine. My name is Michael Caine. Which I had on VHS, and they were so bad, I assume, that I only watched the first one, and even as a child, chose not to watch the second one because the first one had been so bad. (laughs) So, (laughs) as in sequel. Yeah, Jason Connery, terrible. No, I've got trivia about Gogglebox Lady. She is played by Sheila Reed, who also plays Clara Oswald's gran. What? No way! Yeah, that's her! Holy smokes! So I looked her up on Todis Wikia, and it turns out she's one of these very, very few people who have been in Classic Who, in New Who, and in Big Finish Audio Productions.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, very cool stuff. There's, um, there's some prolific actors in it. So, yeah, just scanning through her experience just on on Wikipedia, like it's decades yeah. long and, and filled in every decade as well. The the other guy, the guy who plays the, the governor, Martin Jarvis... Like mm-hmm. I, I kind of recognized him and I couldn't really think why. And I don't actually know why, to be honest, looking through his his resume. Yeah. I think it possibly might be because it's <laughs> it said he appeared on loads of episodes of Countdown. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I just saw him on that. I'm not He's
0: sure. <laughs> entered your living room that way. That's great. That's fantastic.
1: Wait, let me just check I, I haven't made that up. <laughs> I'm sure I <you've> read that. <laughs> yeah. Between 1990 and 2008 he was a guest on 161 episodes of Countdown. Like that's ridiculous. I probably did see him on that. There's many a day that I flicked on Countdown out of boredom, you know, so maybe that's <laughs> why I recognized him. But yeah, he, yeah he's another one role. of these <laughs> actors that's had a good old stint of it, you know, doing loads of things. And actually more in voice. He's like voiced loads of computer game stuff, which I've played a oh, right. shit ton of them. Yeah, like all the Batman Arkham stuff, loads of Star Wars. Who, who, of does he Mass play Effect. in
0: Batman? Or oh, does he have different voices or does he have a recurring no, in Batman, character the Batman Arkham?
1: In Batman, the Batman universe who do you think that man... Okay, wait, wait. That... Is he Alfred? He's Alfred. Of course he is. Oh,
0: <laughs> nice. That is... Oh, that's fantastic. I yeah. bet you there's a good slice of our listenership that's played the Batman Arkham Asylum series. I would imagine stuff. so, yeah. Yeah, very good
1: stuff. Yeah, so it's a good old little cast. And I, I think most people do a pretty good job as well. I, yeah,
0: like most people the governor, governor in particular, do. yeah. The governor's fantastic. Everyone in government, actually, was really, really good. I also very, very much enjoyed the performance of Sill. I didn't look up the name of
1: that actor. Yes. No, that was, that was quite a performance, to be fair. I that was found the laugh. Like, to start with, I felt, yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that <so laughs> with good. the tongue. Like I think the first time that happened, I did kind of roll my eyes a bit. And it's like, oh, God, this is going to be too far. It's going to just fall into the comedy category. I think so good. Because he committed to it so much throughout, and it didn't waver. It was always that animated. Like, it wasn't just going up and down all the time. It was just... Yeah. I totally bought it, actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, same. He is a recurring character, by the way. Syl will return in another episode, or sorry, another serial that's written by the same guy, Philip Martin, Mind Warp, which is part of the Trial of a Time Lord series, and... Ooh. Yeah, and Sill shows up, like actual Sill shows up. I didn't want to read any spoilers about Mind Warp, but the thing that I saw was that it is Sill working with another person of his species, the mentors. The mentors of, hang on, I wrote this down. Thoros Beta. I d- I don't know. I haven't seen Mind Warp, so like, put your pens down, Podcast Land. But but yeah, so Sill does return, and I'm so flippin' pleased because Sill was great in this. I do have a question for you, though. What is his bubble chair about? The, like, bubbly pedestal that still sits (laughs) on. What is that about?
1: I mean, it seemed to be because there was this moisturize me moment. (laughs) That's true, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) As I'm rebadging it. it, Yeah, it's just a water tank to have on demand. Like, I mean... I dubbed this character Aquatic Jabba the Hut. so... Oh, nice.
0: I hadn't thought about that. Do you think he would normally, would typically reside inside the water tank?
1: I mean, maybe not actually inside, but the, I mean, he, there was definitely a sea creaturey feel, scaly skin yeah. and fins and stuff like it's obviously That's a species true. that they were trying to say has slug, a water connection yeah, you're right. you know yeah yeah and want yeah wanted to be moistened or made yeah. to look wet I don't, i'm not quite sure whether it was a vanity thing or it was a a, a need it seems necessary health like- thing you know
0: yeah, because he tells it, it one one guy, yeah, spray me down, holds me down, and then he tells the other one, mirror, mirror, <laughs> he looks at his own reflection and just beats off to his own image. It it's so good. I I I love that character. He was the most convincing in his sadism of everyone here, way more convincing even than the chief.
1: Yeah, I think I'd probably go with that. I
0: think you know when they have those. Oh, sorry, go for it.
1: Yeah, I think is that because the chief didn't seem evil enough, or I don't know. I think the chief just seems like a sadistic
0: politician, whereas the whereas Sill, the mentor, seems to me like a sadistic pervert. Like it seems like when <laughs> when there's a an execution. And Silla's just like, this is so such amazing entertainment. I don't care about my political designs. I don't care about my plan to gain power and and financial influence over your entire world. All I want to do is watch someone get electrocuted or vaporized on live TV. Like there's there's such glee and sadism and like almost on a childish level. Just a oh, this is amazing. This is like what I, what a good. Tr- trick I'm watching kind of behavior that yeah. I totally bought.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'd buy that. And it, it would... Yeah, I think it makes the, the Phantom of the Opera character. Do you, do you know <laughs> who they
0: call is? I can't remember, but, like, the he's the... Uh, this is another trope now. Is it Quillen? Uh, yeah, possibly. The I, I mean, it's, it's Hollywood's take on Dr. Mengele where you have a mad scientist in the employ of a horrific... Sadistic government uh, who, who just conducts experiments on living subjects. Yeah, uh, very, very similar to I think a few other characters we've had in the show already. Certainly, uh, characters that we see in in Hollywood movies nowadays. Yeah, like one I, of these in every I mean, Marvel movie.
1: It's not doing anything new, and I I don't think it was doing it that well either. Like, yeah, when you think when you compare the character Quillam to like, even the chief, but especially to Syl, I'm totally on board yeah. now with what you're saying and and thinking about the comparison. Like, Syl, you're right, is this sadistic pervert that loves this society that's torturing people and televising it and is just getting off on that. And then Quillum is meant to be the mad scientist that's making all that happen and Mm. sort of claims to enjoy it as well. Like he wants to take gleeful pleasure in killing the doctor. I can't remember how he describes it all, but you know, it just didn't hit the same way. It didn't land the same way. Partly I think because we hadn't spent that much time with this character and it just looked so two-dimensional. It was like, oh right, he's got a scarred face and you put a mask on him and he enjoys torturing people. (laughs) Whoop-de-doo.
0: Yeah, he's just kind of a product of his own society slash enabled by his position of power. And I'm sure he also gets off on conducting experiments on people, but it's so petty of him to then just want the doctor to die in agony because he Took off his mask. There's no depth to that character compared to the others. He's just a uh, the archetypal bad guy, the chief, perhaps also to a certain degree. But he has ambition. Yeah, Sill has f- f- so many dimensions. Who plays <laughs> Sill? Who who plays uh, the mentor? And also, what a weird um, name, Mentor.
1: Mentor. Yeah, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce this. Bill Chaban. Uh huh.
0: Has he been in an Indian British might have seen?
1: actor? Pops up in the more big finish stuff. Oh, okay. Is in Children of Men, which I, I don't think I've actually seen. I think that's... Oh, really? This Children a film of Men about. Yeah, I don't think I've actually seen it. Shame on me.
0: No, it's very good. I That's, by the way, also... I don't want to say co-starring, but there is a fourth building, I'm going to guess. My name is Michael Caine in that. It's really good. Totally worth watching.
1: Yeah, I don't really recognize anything else from... Okay, yeah. Ra-
0: Wait... Wait, wait, wait. I've just gone to his IMDb page, and not only is he in Doctor Who, he is also in a TV movie that you and I may need to review as a bonus episode. <laughs> He's in a TV movie called *Sill and the Devil Seeds of Arador from 2019. We had been doing this podcast <laughs> for six years, when Sil shows up in a movie, it has what? four point nine out of ten what? on IMDb. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ping you the link right now. This no, is I've just found, found it. You found what? it? Yeah.
1: Is this some dodgy, like not official movie or something? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, I
0: don't Sophie know, Aldrin but I need is to see in it? This. Really? Sophie Aldred is in
1: it, playing some
0: mistress nah.
1: Yeah, not playing ace. Is uh... this one of these they like, carried on these weird spin-off VHS E style? Yeah, sort of like those
0: weird fake unit movies. Yeah. Possibly. I don't care. I need to watch this movie. I'm going to assume that it's kind of a a high-budget fan film. From the world so of BBC's TV, there's a trivia, BBC TV's Doctor who. There's a yeah. trivia
1: on IMDb that says, due to a loophole in BBC licenses, the character of Syl and other characters who have appeared in Doctor Who that the writers' own rights to can be used in independent productions without any mentions of the Doctor. Which, and they say, okay. like, it was first taken advantage of with wartime, which I'm guessing is one of the unit ones.
0: Yeah, I think so. Dude, I'm a bajillion percent on board for this. If you are, let's review Sill and the Devil Seeds of Arador.
1: I don't know if I want to commit to that. <laughs> it's gonna be cut off, isn't it how long is yeah, it it's gonna
0: be terrible can you imagine how much fun it was? We'll one hour thirty seven it's gonna be great one hour yeah.
1: thirty seven you... minutes of my life you want dude <laughs>
0: that's right it plus the let's say two and a half hours that we spend dissecting it i'm saying that it's gonna be awful it might also be amazing and regardless if this is a low budget fan production i'm completely on board for it more people should be doing that i think that's great <laughs> I hope he has his gross little green Haribo bowl next to him in this film as well. Like the little bowl. Did you also, like, oh, yes. we only get to see him dip his hand into it once and it's actually like gloopy, gloppy, it's gross. Just a bowl shit. of slime, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But up until that point, it's like, oh, sweet. They're like the Haribo frogs. I used to love them when I was a kid. And then it, it dips his hand and it's like, oh, right. It's just green buff. Uh, <laughs> sign me out. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs>
1: Right. Okay. We've been in Tangent City. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, trauma. okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're absolutely right.
1: <laughs> okay. Do you have some points still you want to get off your chest? Yeah.
0: Yes. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question specifically about a character, Perry. Actually, I'm going to ask you two questions about her. First off, like just in general, how do you feel about Perry in this one? And and specifically, do you feel like Perry has gained experience here compared to the previous adventure that we had Perry in?
1: So what did we have last time? We had Attack of the Cybermen, mm. and I seem to recall she was a bit kind of just also present in that serial. Yeah. Maybe didn't contribute a lot. There are elements in this one that she's standing her ground a bit like she has she has good moments with the governor trying to kind of convince him about stuff i don't know she also she is a bit a little bit damsel in distress at points where she's just in shock at the you know understandably in shock that she thinks the doc has died and
0: stuff. yeah we do get know. quite a lot of the vibrato the, yeah a little bit frankly super <laughs> annoying Perry. Yeah. And then there's also probably a little bit of damsel in distress when she's captured and turned into a bird. <laughs> yes. Um, oh but... yes, that's very true.
1: <laughs> I think my overall feeling was that it, this was a slightly upward trajectory from where the character had been. I think actually, ironically, like the the very first serial she had with Davison, she was probably the best she's been so far. If um, I might be muddling my memories a bit, but okay, yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Since she's been with Baker, it's it's she got knocked down a bit and has been trying to kind of like grow as a character since then. And I don't know if that's to do with the style of the Sixth Doctor or to do with just the writing and the production of the show.
0: That's interesting. Okay i personally i feel like she vacillates between two different roles here one is the kind of perry that i would like to see who is more engaged more involved in the storyline like just making decisions you know she's she has agency she makes decisions that take the plot in one way or another and also this is what i meant with the experience thing like in the beginning when she's in the TARDIS she's talking she's spouting techno babble it's like that's pretty cool i get it you've been traveling with the doctor for a while now you've picked up a few things i'm i'm totally on board with that like she's offering a few theories about what might be wrong with the tardis and obviously they're all wrong because in the end the doctor is going to stumble upon the right answer but but the fact that she's capable of doing that is much more advanced than what she was capable of doing before and i really like that but then on the other hand, most of the time she's just relegated to being a companion in a tight top. Like I, I feel like that there are a bunch of gross sexist dudes at the BBC in the eighties who are just like, we don't need her to do anything but be on screen and wear something that is quite revealing. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. She sort of enables the the doctor to do other to, to do more important things
1: i think that's that's probably fair i i think yeah i think in this serial is basically perry has good moments generally when she's with the doc and they spend a lot of the serial apart yeah that's true
0: yes oh that's super true yes that's a very good observation i had not thought about that
1: which is i think it's not uncommon in, in, in classic who i think in new who it's much more common that if If the companion gets separated, it's a moment for the companion to stand on their own, you know, and Mm prove... Stuff. Whereas we're still in the the land, particularly as we've had female companions. I think Abden, I do I know we had yeah, turtle and Adric, yeah. But yeah, but mainly with the female companions, they quickly turn into damsels in, in distress. Even if they get to do something positive, normally at some point they get captured and have to be rescued. That is it's, unfortunately it's really true, unfortunate. Yeah.
0: But Nissa got to be really clever, and Teagan got to be really gung
1: ho. Yeah. Which I'm I'm expecting. I don't know. The impression I get from Perry at the moment. Is more of a Tegan vibe, and yeah, that's true. Same, and I, I think like that first Tardis scene. It wasn't brilliant, but I think that gave me a lot of hope for the relationship between Perry and the Sixth Doctor. I think, yeah, I think now we've lost that discombobulated side of the Doctor. I still really love watching Colin Baker do his stuff. And it's just, it's a more doctor-like thing. It's a, you know, it's not flying off the hinges in, in a way we don't expect. And now he's getting to do that alongside a companion, which is, yeah, starting to appreciate the TARDIS. And it's just able to go oh doc you've you've broken it again haven't you you've ripped out this or you've done this or you know like you say naming yeah, things it, and I, suggesting stuff
0: a bajillion percent agree with you
1: it's just a shame that it doesn't carry on through pretty much any other points in the serial
0: yeah i agree how do you feel about the relationship that she has with the doctor from the doctor's point of view How is how does the doctor feel about her i get yeah they're, they're starting to build a rapport they've now accrued a little bit of time together so there's experience to build on and there's as in like shared experiences to build on. But the Doctor is now, maybe this is a segue into talking about Colin Baker, but the Doctor is now no longer, as you said, he's not flipping a gasket every single time he needs to say a line or make a decision. He's kind of more doctory. in his view of her i feel like there's a lot more respect like not only is he not trying to kill her just like he's not trying to kill everyone else on screen but like i feel like there's actual respect there for his traveling companion
1: yeah mm. like oh, i definitely feel wrong. like there's there's a compassion that's built like i, I was just thought sort of rolling around my head before you even said the word respect like okay. what i was thinking the sixth doctor thinks about perry and i think i was struggling to get anything other than like a you know a sense of duty or just the, like it, it,
0: okay I'm i'll give perhaps. you an example i'll i'll give you a okay. tangible example please do when he is about to be hanged and they're taking perry away to be turned into a bird <laughs> i mean we need to talk about the transmogrifier because it's flipping bananas but okay so he's about to be hanged he he looks kind of angry there's there's just one look that he shoots at maybe the chief or maybe the god who's taking perry off screen but there isn't the like no perry don't worry i will fix it i will help you i will save you that you get with doctors and prior companions on many many occasions where it's like on those occasions there's almost the assumption that the doctor believes this companion is helpless And I need to reassure them that, don't worry, I know that you can't fix this. I know that you can't save yourself, but I can. And I need you to know that I will fix this situation because you are, on your own, entirely useless. But in this case, he doesn't. He just looks kind of, oh, damn it. Why are you taking her off? Like, I disagree with you doing this, obviously. It's morally and ethically wrong. But he doesn't have to say that because I, I, I feel like he knows that Tegan... She can read the the situation on her own. She can gauge everyone's temperament and everyone's opinions and and objectives on her own. And and maybe she is even capable of getting out of it on her own. Maybe that's go- taking it too far.
1: Uh, that's interesting. I don't I don't think I I took anything from that in that way. Because I started writing notes during that scene, trying to kind of note down what I thought the Doctor was doing whilst things were unfolding. This is the they're about to be hang scene. This was a really nice scene. And I maybe I was just too focused on my interpretation of what the Doctor was doing. But it, it struck me as, you know, this was may, maybe not the first time, but a very strong example of the sixth Doctor doing the wonderful Doctor thing, where it's, I'm in a shitty situation, mm-hmm. but I know more than you do. I've, I've worked oh, shit man. out. And yeah, fine. Lead me up to the platform. Fine. Put a noose around my neck, you know. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you what aquatic Jabal the Hutt is all about. I'm not going to try and plead for my freedom or anything. And maybe yeah, maybe I missed this little interchange of Perry screaming for him but he just gives her a look or gives gives an anger at the guards or whatever uh, it, how it played out and that was showing some respect that I yeah missed that. Interesting.
0: No, I I like that as well. I, I I didn't make a note of that, but I think I kind of picked up on on the similar vibe of the doctors. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll deal with this in an incredibly nonchalant manner which is similar to what you get with certainly Tom Baker pos- possibly Davison I don't know yeah maybe yeah maybe Davison that it's life or death but don't worry I I have I, I'm not concerned and then everyone around them goes wait oh, wait shit. wait why is this guy not concerned why am I, <laughs> I, offline? I really do like that something else just dawned on me there is another character who does plead For Perry's life in a way that Doc does not. We get the governor doing it. When the governor's about to be executed, he's like, oh, but at the very least, let her go. At the very least, make it quick. Oh, bugger, I guess we're both dying together. I failed entirely. How did I get into politics? I'm terrible at negotiating. There is that scene yeah. contrasting that with how the Doctor deals with a very similar situation. I I think that's quite interesting. I don't really know what it means, but I think it's I think it bears analysis.
1: Yeah, no, because I I actually really liked that. I I liked both of these things, yeah. and in hindsight, I'm not quite sure if I should. I feel like maybe they don't work very well together. And also, okay. is it really, is it quite a sexist thing that the governor takes a shine to Perry and is from the character that we get presented with, like you say, I don't know, maybe maybe the whole change of heart thing is, is just very fickle in general. And so it doesn't bear tearing it apart in different directions. But to then spend his last, you know, living moments pleading for someone else's release And it just happens to be this woman in a tight top, you know. It just maybe didn't feel as genuine as it could have done. But at the time, I totally bought it. I I was kind of lapping up this... I mean, the delivery from the actor in particular, but just the eloquence and, yeah, what's it? You know, staunch in the face of everything, swallowing his fear and just thinking about the only benefit that might come out of a situation is someone else could be saved, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, which is incredibly selfless. And, I mean, you're right, (laughs) that... He wouldn't do that. 1980s BBC would not allow him to do that for The Doctor or no, exactly. for Jason Connery, for James Bond Jr. He would only do that for a woman who couldn't do it for herself in the eyes of the BBC, I mean, in the yeah. eyes of the 1980s, maybe even in general.
1: Oof. Maybe we are being a little unfair because we're assuming things based on that era and the sexism that was prevalent. And it, it isn't necessarily painted that way. It's just a little convenient that it falls that way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is true. Okay, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot in the hole. I'm going to convince you to vote this up (laughs) and say, I think there's further evidence for this being fairly sexist. (laughs) So (laughs) there are incredibly few female characters in this serial. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say most of the characters in this are, because we should talk about this as well. White dudes, that's it. There are two black guys in this, two actors who have uh, not no lines. One of them has one word. One of them says, right, that's
1: it. Oh, did one of them say something? I missed that.
0: (laughs) He said, right, and then promptly walked off screen. So there are two black guys in the entire serial, this entire 80 minute story or 90 minute story, whatever it is, between the two of them, they have one word to utter. They don't get to wear shirts I feel like this is a step back by the BBC in terms of representation. Just, yeah, I'm not on board. And then secondly, almost no women. And the women that we do get in this serial are Perry. We just talked about her. The Gogglebox lady who gets an actual role. She has actual lines. She gets an arc. (laughs) The same arc as Gogglebox guy. And third character, third and last female character... Is the, I can't remember her name
1: now. I mean, but the. We basically have to describe her as the wife of John Darr. Exactly. Because she has no other character traits.
0: Exactly. (laughs) It turns out blonde Johnny Utah managed to bag a partner. How? I don't know. The man is a charisma repellent. But somehow, (laughs) when we get to, I mean, she has almost no lines. Up until the point when she also is a segue to transmogrifier, she is tied up in the transmogrifier. Perry is right next to her. Perry is turned into a bird because intellectually she wants to escape. She wants to fly away. That's what she's thinking of. So that turns her into a bird. I love that as a concept. The mm. other one, I think they say she has such low self esteem that she t- is turning herself
1: into a reptile. Yes, I think that is right. <laughs> yeah. That's um, I found the quote, actually, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> If the changelings see themselves as unworthy, they can become serpentine or reptilian. Yep.
0: There you go. So one is a helpless bird and the other one is unworthy. <laughs> well done, BBC. Well done. Well, I, I don't know if this is getting picked up by the recording, but I'm giving you a golf applaud. Well done. Well done, chaps. Because <laughs> you're obviously chaps. Bastards.
1: <laughs> Just a pick up on a minor point from that. And I, I do agree yeah. entirely with the, you know, the female characterization in this serial is pathetic. Yeah. But I think the Gogglebox Lady, whilst, you know, I think portrayed as a little bit of like, that stereotypical busybody, because like, she's the one that's writing up the other guide. I don't... I think maybe he says one thing the other way, but I think they dwell on it a little bit more of her. But anyway, that's a little bit side side point. Oh, I think right. she... I think she has a more fulfilling arc than he does, though, because I think she is wavering throughout a lot of it. Like she she kind of wants the doctor to escape. Like she likes him. She likes the one in the funny coat. She's really excited, like presently surprised when he's alive again. I can't remember if The Hunger Game does it or if it's The Running Man. Like Running Man was the other reference I, I wrote in my notes at one point. But it's a not unfamiliar technique of when they're broadcasting, you know, this televised stuff of horrific events happening to people. And then the, the hero actually outwits their certain death and the audience starts rooting for the hero rather than the oppressive government. You know, that kind of thing. And I think she has that journey, but the guy doesn't.
0: Oh, that's super duper interesting. Is that because he already seems to be teetering on the edge of being a revolutionary himself or being a subversive himself. No, and I think he's more just a fuckwit extreme in act 1. Sorry?
1: I think he's just a fuckwit. Like <laughs> 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 He He doesn't even I know think how to would... button a jacket. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh, but the impression I got was that he He will obviously speak negatively about stuff that he feels is negative and then will regret it because he realizes that's against the rules. Yeah. But at the same time, he's relishing in like the idea of executing the governor and she had already kind of pegged that governor as you know different and you know would be better for them and all this. you know there was already that seed going through and he was just part of the machine still he's like oh no execute him let's get the next governor in keep the status quo
0: yeah that is true it's interesting when they i mean there's a scene where he votes on her behalf yeah and we get a a view of how the political system might fail within its own little i mean like, Within their very banal take on how voting works, this is how it's going to fail. I and mean, here is his view of it, I think you're absolutely right. His view is just like, uh, I just want to see this happen. I just want to see carnage and then next next round, you know, round N. And from her point of view, like, no, there's a system. I want to go through this. I want everything to work, and blah, blah, blah. And the belief in that system is what legitimizes her character arc even more. I like it. I like it. This is making you think that this is a better serial than you thought at first, right? multi I'm,
1: I'm still a bit up and down. Like, I think there are some good bits to it. And I think it's... it's this probably has more heart to it than a lot of serials. Like, I think it's, you know, it's very yeah. purposefully... Uh, asking you to question you know the the aspect of televised violence maybe or even got, you know the role of government in society and you know democracy like there's yeah there are little nuggets there and i think some of it some of it came off some of it i think is buried in a you know a weird story of aquatic Jabba the huts and (laughs) and (laughs) zones that are for torture. I mean, I think I just I couldn't escape from the the feeling that this was someone who has been influenced by a lot of other science fiction and put things together. Like, when did The Running Man even come out? Is that based on the book as well?
0: I think so. It's a Stephen King story, isn't it? Uh, Stephen King. That's but... super duper interesting because I did not make the connection with The Running Man, but it's so you're right. It's absolutely there. I did also think of The Hunger Games. I thought of Death Race is a 3000 and I thought of Gamer. But I don't know. That. Otherwise, yeah. there are two Doctor Who stories that sprang to mind for me. Okay. Are you looking up Running Man though? When is that?
1: Yeah, so the the book came out in 82, which is before this. The film was actually later, it was 87. Okay. Cuz we are in 85. 84, 85. 80- oh, we- yeah, we're into eighty-five now. We're in January.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. What has already happened? Death race? When was the original Death Race?
1: I'm looking it up. I don't know them too too well, but I think of those as quite old.
0: 1975. Death Race 2000, not 3000. Connections, otherwise that I was making in my head were to two different Doctor Who serials. One is the second ever Doctor Who serial, the Daleks. Um, okay. Because in the Daleks, you have. Just the instigator, I suppose. So, in the Daleks, what happens is the TARDIS is running low on, I want to say, Mercury. <laughs> and they need to find it somewhere. And they can only find it on Skaro, where the Daleks live. <laughs> right. And so they go there and they're just pulled into the Dalek, like a death maze, whilst there is a revolution conducted by the Thal against the Daleks. So, they kind of team up with the revolutionaries. And they have to go through lots of different traps and yada, yada, yada. And the, the whole goal of it is to get some sort of metal that needs to fuel the TARDIS, because otherwise they're stuck. So that's pretty similar. And yeah. then this, the other one is one that we did together, the Sunmakers, where you also have the capitalists. They, they're like, they're, I can't remember why they go to this planet, but they go to a planet where they make suns, apparently. And everyone's toiling under the yoke of some capitalist machinery. And there is a dude who turns out to be some sort of little green sponge or seaweed or something. He he gets magnified into seaweed.
1: He gets like flushed down his own toilet thing.
0: Chair. Yeah. He's basically sitting on his own bubble throne and is reduced to nothing at the end of it. And here, fine, Sill is not reduced to seaweed. He remains regular Sill, but he is also a dude just, like, so driven by capitalism. And also, I feel it's worth noting, he's also depicted as diminutive in stature, incredibly, like, maximal in political and financial efficacy.
1: Yeah, that's a very fair parallel. And the way that they treat those characters as well sat on I, I, i've done a little image search and he's practically sat on kind of like throne chair type thing yeah and still in this is you know he's always on a you know particular pedestal type thing yeah yeah so i think i think that's that's what's stopping me from thinking this is an amazing serial that and for a start i don't think i ever kind of like got that feeling watching it like i didn't okay. didn't watch it with you know Anticipation at every point of like, oh, what's going to happen next? Or oh, this is so exciting! You know, I I didn't get swept away in it, which is why I've, I've been in this middling ground. But also trying to process it, you know, for a kind of reviewing point of view, it just doesn't feel like with all of those ideas, it's brought anything new. It's just put in a lot of things, you know, it's put a lot of things into the pot that other people have focused on and blown yeah. up in a way that was better, you know.
0: Oh, dag, nabbit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not talking me down here, okay? I'm not gonna. Allow no, no,
1: that. no, I'm not trying to. I'm just justifying why I still haven't quite got to any heady heights with it. And you know, I do think it's good. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good. Okay, okay,
0: yeah. How do you? How do you feel about the doctor? I think Colin Baker.
1: I think in general, really liked him in this. Like that that scene I mentioned before, where it felt like he was about to be executed, and just. Gave this aura of confidence. as like, he's not, not putting up a fight or anything. It's just commanding the situation. He knows something we don't. And when the opportunity arises, takes it. And I think it was maybe a brief moment where it kind of felt like he was, you know, going to give away information he shouldn't have done or whatever. But turns out that he, he understood the situation for all of it. And he didn't care anyway. It was just, I don't know. Just felt very commanding and very doctor-like. Agreed. Completely agree. I can't think of... Other strong examples through the serial, but I'm pretty sure that was that was my overriding impression through the serial. It's like that was the type of doctor we were dealing with. He's he's also incredibly violent in this one. I mean, he kills, yes. he drowns two people in acid. To be fair, he doesn't really do that, but <laughs> I do have a massive. Okay, fine beef with that because he turns into james bond and there's a one-liner oh god what, is, right. what does yeah. he even say yeah. sorry
0: if i don't join you or something
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> i mean it's not just that like he literally pushes two dudes into certain death in acid one of them even comes up half burnt and accidentally pulls the other one into the acid bath and the director of this serial chose to follow that up with the sound effect of meep, meep. <laughs> I really. Oh, I missed that. Like, you. Just murdered two guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> So we get that, we get a lot of lasering. Right off the bat, he's using the laser to break the chains, but then he deliberately points it at the guards. And you mentioned one dude who walks straight into it in the beginning. It's like he vaporizes
1: a dude. Yeah, I mean, I think that one I would kind of let... Like, both the acid scene and that scene, you could maybe kind of say doc didn't kill anyone like the acid one definitely i don't think he intentionally did anything like he literally just woke up and they were like holy fuck and the first one fell into the <laughs> yeah, acid i was like, surprise. That's
0: like, hey hey docs don't kill people acid kills people <laughs> yeah
1: but <laughs> no you can say that about the laser i'll grant you that that flippancy with the laser okay <laughs> but the acid scene was just someone being surprised and falling over <laughs> okay yeah fair (laughs) the laser yeah okay yeah he points the laser with the intention that they're going to come from that direction i can't really defend that you're you're correct
0: (laughs) i didn't think that was what was going to happen by the way because in the beginning when they set up the execution they say we don't know when the laser is going to overload and evaporate someone the the device itself is designed to make them Hallucinate and turn themselves into what they believe is going on. Like I guess similar to what's happening to Perry and what's her face in the Transmonger Fire, which we st- should still talk about. But I mean, even the guard is wearing a an anti hallucination helmet. This is oh, the same yeah. guy who later on buys into the more rational ideal of wait, hang on, we shouldn't execute people on TV. The guy who yeah. could have been made governor. But then instead, a guy just very slowly and casually
1: saunters into a laser beam and dies. Yes. Which, in my notes, I have Chekhov's, don't get yourself zapped by the torture machine. <laughs> because there is this <laughs> this big safety warning, you know, reading out beforehand. <laughs> oh, and it's yeah. gonna, we don't know where it's gonna go. It could go at any point. So don't go anywhere near it. It might just sap someone. <laughs> right, oh, boss. Noted that one down. Sure
0: thing. I two won't get in the later. way. <laughs> the way that that guy saunters into the laser is, I think, indicative of what so many other things in this serial, in, in both episodes, uh, are indicative of. Namely, that the direction didn't give two shits about the acting levels. <laughs> there's maybe it's the fact that they've already cast sean connery's son who cannot act and they're just like well we're gonna do we're, it doesn't matter at this point it does not matter we have a lot of fairly bad acting from perry unfortunately we have terrible acting from i can't remember his name now but another one of the government stooges where is it? Oh yeah, there's what it, so this guy has an actual line flub that they keep in the episode. 14 minutes into part one, he goes to please, uh-huh. to entertain, to please the people. <laughs> and it, Who's that? it just seems a little... Yeah, yeah, 14 minutes in. I, you know what? Sort it. Soundbite. <laughs> May I suggest you do something to please, to entertain, to please
1: the people? Oh, this... I, I have searched the actor's name, and I've found a screenshot. Yeah, what the hell happens to that character? I think he's one of the
0: people who gets to death. Oh, can we talk about the vines and the diaper zombies? <laughs> I love that whole segment. <laughs> <Diaper> zombies. <laughs> <laughs> that is so bananas. Oh no, don't touch any vines, they say. Like, clearly vines hanging off their shoulders. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like there's there, there are elements of really just like plain laziness in the production. With the vines for example, where they're like don't touch them, but then there are they're clearly touching the vines all the time. Uh, the cliffhanger of part 1. Oh, there's no sign of life. When should we cut? Oh, well, let's just cut after this very obvious breath from the doctor. Like really. no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even don't notice don't that. do that. That's 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 lazy. <laughs> Fix that. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I'm just spitballing here. Use a freeze frame. Just, just do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that could have worked quite well. I have to yeah. say, I did kind of love that the cliffhanger is and cut.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, I didn't think about that. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, in general, I do still find all this laziness really endearing. The vault hiding, great. The prison break in general, like everything about the prison break, great. <laughs> Everything is fantastic with one exception of laziness. And that's at the very end where it's just all the problems are solved in one minute. That, oh, God, I, I, that's, that's a negative for me.
1: What about, oh, wait, hang on, the, sorry. Oh yeah, sorry. Go for it. I was gonna say, what What about, do you, do you feel this is laziness as well in the, the writing of the plot where the, the prisoners have a plan to escape through some kind of, I forget what they call it, but this idea that there is a safe way out of the zone—like they have constructed this maze of of various torture of corridors, <laughs> yeah, yeah, corridor. corridor <laughs>
0: after corridor,
1: yeah—and <laughs> obviously it's set up with the pretense that you can you can overcome it all and come out the other side. And everyone seems to think that's true, and then they go to the end and it's a dead end, and then they have to backtrack all the way. But fortunately, they've killed everyone, so it's oh. fine. I don't know. Did that not seem a little bit lazy and convenient as well?
0: Yeah, somehow I didn't realize that this was happening. I mean, in part, I think that's really lazy. In part, I think it's pure genius. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of on board for that. Is that when they get to the point where they see themselves beckoning them to go ahead? And when the hallucinations like ghost them disappears, it's like acid on the floor.
1: No, this is the vine bit. Like maybe I, maybe I missed oh, remembered. Bit. Yeah, because basically I thought they they basically were in the the jungle with the vines, and they were just yeah. like, "There's no way out." And then they see the guards coming, and so they do do this vine trip trip trap thing and fortunately kill them all but they don't go the way that the guards came from they go back that is true and bump into Yeah, we
0: even get to see them go over the same hurdle where we saw the diaper zombies before and guess what no more diaper zombies oh that's true yeah there was one diaper zombie left one of them got killed by a vine the other one just like carries the the dead one away presumably to eat him off screen yeah or
1: something else chomping on that for a week
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh great! Yeah, I don't need to worry about you anymore. This is fantastic. I've got snacks. <laughs> Anyone got any spare Tupperware? But but we don't get. Yeah, any anyway, Yeah, you're right. They do backtrack at that point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, but like, so what is it? How do you feel about all the torture and murder devices? All the corridors, the diaper zombies, the vines, the hallucinatory
1: sp- fly acid floor, oh, and the, the purple zone, and then the purple fly. zone, the, uh... the desert room. <laughs> You know what? I kind of liked the illusionary aspect of it. And when it was, you know, playing with the mind a little bit, I think by by the point where they'd gone back in, I was probably done with it entirely. It's just like, no, this, this, we're barely working the first time. (laughs) Why are we back here again? And then they did the, yeah, the ghost versions that were beckoning them over and it was the acid pit. And then, which I was getting a bit annoyed about. And then we get to the jungle thing and at this point i was just like the fuck no like what what, no no like this this entire serial everything has been about mind games everything has been about using the mind to to do stuff physically or just playing with the mind or everything suddenly now it's just killer vines fuck you
0: (laughs) (laughs) yep fine fair Are there any yeah. final points that you would like to cover?
1: Yeah, you mentioned earlier that the ending kind of wraps things up very quickly. Yeah. Would you care to explain to me what the hell happens to this invasion force? And did they just spot something shiny on the way, and we're just like, no, we're just gonna we're gonna take this instead? You you deal yeah, with? Yeah, they seem to that. literally
0: just cancel their plans. I mean, it, 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 it's
1: not. I don't really know if I missed anything. My note work. just
0: says instantly cancelled. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I found the transcript, actually, because I I wasn't quite sure. Like, I described this as the Invasion Force saw something shiny. It's actually, it is Zyton 7. They find Zyton 7 somewhere else, and they're like, we're just going to go to this asteroid instead. But then it follows up with new supplies of Zyton 7 required urgently. You know, do whatever, pay whatever price the Verosians are asking. So it's like, well, what choose a lane, dude? Like... You've just found another supply of Zyton 7 (laughs) and then you're demanding Zyton 7 over here but you've cancelled your invasion to get that massive pot of Zyton 7 and it's just, no, this makes no sense at all. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, the ending is so rushed. Someone yeah. is
0: scrambling at the very end of this just to tie it up. And I don't know why. I don't. It know seems why like I a either. like a studio note. Maybe the BBC just went no, no, no. This is too much. We need to cut it by ten minutes. Cut whatever the last ten minutes were. Or maybe minutes, th- but, you know
1: they expect stuff to get cut, and yet they kept all the other shit for some reason. <laughs>
0: I don't know if I've talked you up, given the very last uh, topic that we've discussed here. I suspect perhaps not, but I'm hoping maybe a little bit. <laughs> How would you feel about trying to rate this? Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did
1: we laugh or hate this? Bing-bong, bing hey, la, la 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 Ratings. Why don't I start? Because I'm always subjecting you to losing the thing on Tiburna's Game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> great okay yeah go ahead
1: yeah what 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 am i saying well i've started with some negative points one of them we didn't actually really talk about but yeah that little mobility scooter was just friggin ridiculous how that is in this serial is just a joke <laughs> i assume you mean
0: ridiculously good but yeah carry on <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think sorry maybe if they had established the set as more than one 10-foot corridor repurposed in different forms. I might have bought the fact you needed a mobility scooter to get around, but it really looked like we saw the dock go forward (laughs) three feet, reverse three feet, and this was the purpose of having the mobility scooter. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So my negatives kind of turn into a list of, we shouldn't really have these things. We would have been better off without this. So, yeah, Skinny Flash, Gordon, and his wife, entirely superfluous. They're presented at an occasion, they are meant to be like a rebellion. They do nothing of the sort. And it's just, their screen time is pointless. It eats up elements of everything. And it's just pathetic. Go away, please. Likewise, I feel like Phantom of the Opera. His character really doesn't add anything. We could have had the chief delivering his lines, being the one that wants to torture people. It probably worked, it would have worked out better for that character to have something else to do. and. Sure. We don't need this stupid stereotype of someone with a mask and scars. Blah. But we touched on this as well. Like, the yeah, the only black actors that are in this are voiceless guards that wear barely any clothing, literally look like slaves and perform very poorly as guards. And I don't know. It's just... It's really poor show, and yeah. do better, BBC. I don't care if it was 1985, and you can't go back in time and remake it, but do better, BBC. Yeah, t- totally <laughs> agree.
0: We and we have seen that. I'm sorry to jump in, but we've seen the BBC do a teeny tiny bit better than this before. So hence, exactly, why yeah. why is this now happening?
1: Yeah, and um, I think you were right as well to pull up the the female characters are poorly served in this serial. There's three of them. One of them I have already said we could have done without, which is you know. It's a shame to say that, but it's true because she barely did anything, and she's literally just the wife of someone. She doesn't stand on her own. The Gogglebox lady it probably has more merit than a lot of characters that appear in, in a lot of serials, but you know, not super deep. And Perry, unfortunately, was a little bit up and down, but I'll get back to that. And yeah, the other thing that I hit upon earlier was like the running man zones. By the end of it, they were just annoying. Like I, I didn't need that second trip into that environment i certainly didn't need it being made physical with the vines and the pathetic way that that was delivered like the production (laughs) was just a little bit meh up to that point it was just kind of passable there were a stupid number of corridors none of the sets really blew me away or anything we Uh we, i think we opened this serial on planet boob like there were just these weird dome things on a uh, you know an unnamed surface that just i loved those miniatures (laughs) i think i'm just picking up what you put down basically leon where you say it just felt like (laughs) people didn't really care about the production at a certain point and yeah anyway so those were negative things yeah but like i said before there are some good concepts in here like i I really like this idea of illusions that convince your mind to cure you basically like it's that was the makeup of the cliffhanger the doctors in a desert and they're convinced he's dead because his body basically has told him to die he's told him you don't have access to water you're in a desert you're you're dying of thirst you know that's yeah. a really nice idea the repressive society that you know televises executions Asked its citizens to snitch on each other, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. Again, it's a nice idea, but like I said before, it's not bringing anything new. So it's, you know, it's a plus it's a plus and a minus at the same time. But I, I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed the element of that in this serial, definitely. Then we've got Sill the, the governor's characters. Sill was great. The Governor was great, even if it's a little wavering on what we're meant to think his original stance was. You know, by the end of it, I was quite happy that this character was shifting and it made sense. I think Doc was pretty great in this. You know, we've mentioned a few of the stronger points already. And I think I think I just yeah, I'm still in, very much enjoying watching Colin Baker be Colin Baker, or at least act as Colin Baker. I'm not sure how you have put that. But yeah, I can't really fault much of the portrayal. There's still a slight negative thing about maybe the doctor being too violent on occasion, but more more willing to pick up a gun than we've probably ever seen before, which I don't mm-hmm. particularly get on board with. But hey, ho. And yeah, like I said before, Perry is a little lackluster, but I, I think this is better than like a, the last couple of serials. I feel like we're starting to feel what this character can deliver and the relationship between the Sixth Doctor and Perry is developing. So I feel like it's going in the right direction. It just unfortunately falls backwards in a couple of places with the damsel in distress and the writing right, yeah. in a tight top aspect of sexist BBC in the, the 1980s. But I think think it's going on a pos- positive trend. So, a number. Here we I've go. just oh. plucked one oh. out of the air, really. Oh, I think, I'm... for the most part, I enjoyed this. I described this previously as a good cereal. And I stand by that. And I think the number, therefore, will reflect that. It's not great. Okay. It's not mediocre. It's a 3.5. 3.5, you say? Is that,
0: can I ask only for my own gratification?
1: And I want to point out,
0: excellent mini, fantastic reasoning. I totally understand how you got to 3.5. Is that more, less, or the same that you think you would have assigned it in the beginning before we started chatting about this?
1: (laughs) So honestly, what I had in my head, I hadn't put a number down, but I had kind of imagined well, I guess this is probably 3 to 3.5 category. Okay, okay. So, yeah, you've you've pushed me to the upper limit of what I was kind of thinking. I
0: think you're being very charitable towards me. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than towards this episode. But, fine, yeah, I get it. No, that's solid stuff, man. That's very good stuff. I would like to point out, I mentioned this to you before pressing record on part two of this podcast. You have managed to talk me down a little bit, or we have managed to talk me down a little bit. There's quite a lot in here that is in the plus column and quite a lot that's in the minus column unfortunately and i i think over the course of the past hour and a half two hours however long we've been chatting we've been i don't know if we've been emphasizing the the latter half but certainly that has come to the forefront of my mind i would like to start though in the plus column with colin baker colin baker is really getting into this role now you can tell this chap is fully inhabiting it i am super duper digging his spin on the dock he's a acerbic and sarcastic. Bondian, for better or worse, clever and badass. I, I barely noticed his ridiculous outfit, by the way. There's one scene where What's-Her-Face a goggle box lady points it out, and my reaction at the time was sort of, Oi, lady, don't be so shallow. <laughs> like the, 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 He's fine. He's more than just that absolutely dumb coat. I enjoyed his, it turns out, an ad-lib of, you'll need more than water, Perrier. You know, that's, that was a nice little bit. And <laughs> I think we should keep track of this. His brooch on his coat is similar to the fourth doctor it's changing what what he's wearing changes and in this case he's wearing a little porcelain a white porcelain cat very good love colin baker in the in between column perry is given a bit more agency but continues to frustrate me particularly with her faux american acting and her like frequently poor timing. When she's good, she's great, but all too often the BBC just reduces her to a very tight top as we discussed. Blonde Johnny Utah, aka James Bond Jr., he can't act to save his life. The fact that that dude later portrayed the lead on a TV show for years boggles the mind. Either he got an acting coach or his dad pulled some strings because, yikes, (laughs) Caramba, he was like, he was about as lifelike as a cardboard cutout of a wooden mannequin. I would not trust that dude to act anything. (laughs) Oof. Conversely, though, Jabba. Loved him. Sil, hysterical caricature of a capitalist. Great. As discussed, major Sun Makers vibes there. Good character. Look forward to seeing him again in, what was it called? Mind Warp. The whole world, in fact, that they created for this serial, I I think was kind of brilliant. I would love to see a prequel set on this world. I was going to ask you, actually... I think there's a line at some point where, I can't remember if it's the governor, someone says, ooh, it's that character, it's that agent named the Doctor. He's been captured again. And for a split second, I thought, wait, are they implying that maybe they met him at some point before? I'm sure I got that wrong, but I could potentially see a prequel serial set on this world when it is still a prison colony, So, so that we can then, in our minds, we can build the bridge between those two episodes of those two serials. I think that'd be pretty cool. Anyway, enough about the story. Is that a banana in my pocket? Or am I rocking an Oscar statuette shaped stiffy for the production value of this serial? Can it be both, please? The sets, the miniatures, costumes, special effects were totes malotes, flipping off the chart. Cray cray. I loved it. Cannot believe that you dissed the introductory planet nipple sequence. That was beautiful. I thought that was a great opening (laughs) shot. I don't know if you've listened to the latest probably not the latest bonus episode that I recorded with Stephen of New to Who fame which dropped only a couple of days ago when we're recording this in that we basically spoilers for anyone who listens to that episode in that we basically go through doctor by doctor that we have reviewed on this show on Who Back When and we deliberate what would be the best and the worst episode to introduce a new person someone who's entirely new to Who to Doctor Who with and for Colin Baker obviously i couldn't say anything but his closing remark was effectively to say the episode to introduce a doctor who noob to colin baker's doctor with is this is a vengeance on varos and you know what i get it because i am digging the pants off this show Sorry, I'm babbling. Uh, A couple of more negatives just to make this a little bit more balanced before I call it quits. Firstly, hallucinogenic corridor scenes were perhaps a little repetitive, but I want to say entirely vindicated by the fact that we get Perry saying, hmm, all these corridors look the same to me, which I think is a nice little dig at the fact that it's clearly the same corridor. They're going down over and over again. And secondly, as we discussed, it ended way too abruptly. One moment, whoa, everything's going to help. Then all of a sudden, nope, it's not. Okay, roll credits. Overall, though, I love this. And consequently, I am not giving it the 4.3 I originally intended to give this. I'm giving it a
1: 4.0. 4.0. Very nice. I Apologies for talking you down 0. 0.3 points.
0: <laughs> that's okay.
1: <laughs> Good stuff. Not worlds apart. but no, You could, no, you could slip no. something in between us there. Uh, shall we see? Absolutely, yeah. Shall we see if any plucky people in podcast land are going to slip in between us or are making a, a leon and jim sandwich
0: <laughs> oh they wish jim they wish
1: <laughs> all right let's <laughs>
0: Listener Minis, now let's hear from Podcast Land, Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Kablamatron, and welcome to the Listener Mini section of this fabulous podcast episode, though I say so myself. We have received not 1, not 2, not 3, not 4, not 5, not 6, not 7, not 8. JK, we have received 8 Listener Minis for this one, and as we are wont to do, at least of late, we will read 3 of them in their full splendour. And the remaining five. That's right, maths. We will read slight snippages of, but we encourage you wholeheartedly to head on over to huback1.com to read them in their full splendor in brackets. By the time you hear this in your earballs, I will have kept everything up to date on whoback so that everything is there in its full splendor right first out the gates we're starting with the ones that we're reading in full jim who have we got right out the gate
1: well first out the gate we've got one of these things
0: <sighs>
1: New, <sighs> New review.
0: <laughs> holy moly it's bob bob balderdash is that your real name hello bob Hello, Bob. That's super trying, exciting! Trying yes, a new Rowan reviewer. <laughs> that Bob. was very Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Bob. Welcome, welcome, welcome aboard. Very glad to be travelling down this temporal road with you and your mum. Because Bob starts with. I'm
1: sorry. That just <laughs> that sounded like that sounded like, 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 like sort of a
0: horrible joke, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Because Bob starts with, Bob here, my mom and I are big fans. Hello, Bob. Hello, Bob's mom. But enough of that. I love this serial, all caps. When you've been watching Old who for this long, not a lot stands out. But this serial has so many unique concepts and characters. The Governor, Syl, Dr. Egg- Eggman, and Phantom that? of the Opera too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this. Oh, so interesting, and I love the creativity behind Sill's Yoda speak and deplorable laugh. I agreed, that unnecessary watering scene was great. I love a good dystopia. And this is a great one. The two civilians with conflicting views constantly watching the events unfold on television is such a great touch. And the TV shutting down at the end of the serial was such a strong book ending.
1: Bob continues, Colin Baker was so enjoyable to watch. And I can't forget that scene of a doctor accepting execution in such a nonchalant way. I wish that scene was the cliffhanger because the guard actually pulling the lever surprised me. Right? Yeah, shocking. Yeah. Bob does, however, note some flaws. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, Perry was a damsel, or just static. I think we're supposed to believe she had an effect on the governor, but I'm not sure what. Phantom was too similar to the fantastic Shara's Jack. Also, shooting the controls to reverse the metamorphosis was rather too easy. And finally, the serial resolved seemingly to random circumstance. Agreed. The invasion force just found more rare material on a random rock, so they gave up? Big question mark. Voice very uh, uh,
0: higher. Yes, Bob. End. Yes, that's exactly what <laughs> happened.
1: Yes. And anywho concludes, Bob, I give this a 4.8 and governors out of five with a sub note of keep up the great work.
0: Oh, thank you uh, very much, Bob. I think you'll find that's some well, governors. <laughs> governors. Which, by the way, I loved. That was another beautiful touch of of sills. The veneers, oh, fantastic, Bob. This is great stuff. Keep um coming, marvelous. Mm, mm, Welcome mm, aboard. Yes,
1: it was very tasty. More, pleased. Thanks, Bob.
0: Who's next? <laughs> yeah.
1: Wait, well, next up, thanks, Bob. Next up, it's Annie Parkinson. Hello, what there, up, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I talked over you. That.
0: Andy, long time no see you, where you been, buddy? Andy has been a an absolutely spiffing chap as he is a wont to be <laughs> I think that, which <laughs> verb did I use? He has provided us with not just a mini review, but also a maxi review, which you will be able to read on the website in its full splendor. But here we will read the mini review. Thank you very much for that, Andy. He says oh, hi chaps. Hello, Andy. Vengeance on Varos is where Doctor Who critiques the violence and gore on TV and video nasties, which were prevalent at the time, by showing lots of violence and gore. There's some brilliant dialogue, too, with some witty one-liners, such as, he's the worst governor we've had since, well, since... Since the last one, I want to hear them scream till I am deaf with pleasure. That's a good one. And I like that one. The one in the funny clothes. I give that the wrong voice. That's Gogglebox Lady, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Excellent Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> And he continues with a series of likes. First up being using Arak and Etta as our eyes to look in at the way of life on Varus. I also love their relationship and the bickering. Mm. Nice. Next like.
0: Seal he's a fabulous villain and so
1: brilliantly realized. Agreed. Mhm. Next, The Cliffhanger to Part 1 is fantastically performed with Colin genuinely looking like he's dying in the desert. Possibly one of the best we've had to date.
0: Nice. You're our resident cliffhanger expert. Would you agree? Mm,
1: mm, mm. I don't know. Like I didn't think at any point he was dying, so it's my idea of a bad cliffhanger because But it but it's just it did have, have that
0: cut moment you nice, brought up before.
1: Uh, yeah, pseudo fourth wall breaking element to it was nice. Huh? Yes.
0: Yeah, okay. Andy, here's your friend who sort of agrees with you. Final <laughs> like. <laughs> the music is wonderful. It adds atmosphere and never overpowers the action. Mm-hmm. You know what? I
1: didn't really notice. Did you? No, I think the music was, I guess it it wasn't overpowering the action and it was too busy adding atmosphere for me to notice it. <laughs>
0: I, guess, I guess that's very true. That's such a good point. What else is that?
1: Why there are some boofs, boofs. <laughs> something like that. First up being that bloody golf cart thing. I mean, what's oh. the point?
0: Oh, you, you, you guys really are friends who agree with one another. I love that golf cart; it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Next boof. The doctor says if we can get back to the tardis, we can get away from here much more easily. No, you can't, mate. It's immobilised. Remember? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: fair point. Next up, cannibals in nappies.
0: And last, boof. At the end, the Ganatron Mining says they've found a new source of Zyton 7, but instructs him to accept any price. I may have missed something here, but wouldn't a new source mean the price would go down, not up? Yeah, as you very yeah. rightly pointed out as well, Jim, absolutely the case. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Andy. Nonsense, thank you, Andy. Yeah. Nonsense at the
1: end. You and me are vibing all over this shit. Good stuff, Andy. And <laughs> conclusion.
0: <They> each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Andy says... Overall, this is a fabulous story and one of my favorite Colin serials. Nice. And he awards this 4.7 Perry, A. Eh? So bad it's good <laughs> jokes out of five.
0: <laughs> oh, it's such a good joke. It's a good joke. <laughs> and a fantastic rating. Thank you very much, Andy. Mm, excellent stuff. Fantastic, Mini, Read the Maxi podcast land. And when you've done that, please high five Andy on Twitter. He can be found at Caffrey's oh, What Gym?
1: 71. That's right. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Who's next? It's that chap we like to call, because that's the name that they gave us. GP Haynes. GP! I say G, you say P. G
0: P G P. Yeah, that's right. Are you aware that that Drew consistently gets that wrong, by the way? I go, I say G, you say P, G, and he goes, Haynes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know why. (laughs) Hello, GP. No comment.
0: <laughs> GP says, What a great episode! One of Baker's finest, and certainly a thought provoking dark satire on violence and the media. I feel this capture the zeitgeist of the 80s obsession with violent TV and movies trying to outdo one another, coupled with the worldwide growth of CCTVs. Nice. Video surveillance, home video sales, and even the introduction of interaction of audiences with their production counterparts in various forms of media. All which exploded in the 1980s. Very nice observations.
1: Mm. Baker's portrayal is spot on with this version of the character, says GP. His absent-mindedness imparts wholly reflective of this character trait. Sill was the perfect alien, not only a wonderful costume and prop, but played to perfection as a truly disgusting, evil, and darkly humorous character. Top marks here. Yeah, Controversial agreed. at the time, yes, agreed. Controversial at the time. This episode had some amazing moments, and I think they worked well. Do I want to see this type of episode every week? No, but on its own, it stands as a great example of what Doctor Who is capable of when it stretches. I pretty much enjoyed everything, minus the Bond quip, after the two people are okay. killed in the acid bath. The production and sets were suitably dark and menacing. The terrific cast, which includes Jason Connery and Owen Teal. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> were also excellent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry to interrupt that. <laughs>
1: Your friend does not agree with you here. With Sorry. the dog and Perry pretty much at the top of their game. Great work all round, says GP. Nice. The score then that GP has gone with is 4.7 tons of Zyton 7 or.
0: Nice. Fantastic. Holy smokes. Hey, Andy Parkinson, here's your friend who agrees with you. That's a fantastic mini GP. Excellent stuff. I I think I agree with absolutely everything you've said, with the exception of Jason Connery. Jason Connery being part of a terrific cast. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you, GP. Henceforth, we are in Snippity snip snip land. And so we will be reading little snip, snip, snooty snips of the following minis. But again, just to repeat, please do seek out these minis in their full splendour on com. First out of the gate, we've got Stephen from Canada. From
1: Canada. <laughs>
0: Hello, Stephen.
1: <laughs> Hello there, Stephen.
0: I would just like to point out, just in this case, that Stephen originally sent this mini in April of 2021. That's one year and four months ago. Then redrafted it and sent it in in July 2021. Stephen top marks for being ahead of the game. (laughs) Well done. Steven says a whole bunch of stuff and then adds a lot of people argue about this story though, especially with regards to whether it is in character for the Doctor to kill. After watching every story up to this point, I can say with certainty that this is indeed the case. His bloodthirstiness is present from his very first story though it is almost always justified. The first Doctor tried to bludgeon a caveman, two killed Cybermen like they were going out of style, three judo-chopped anything in his his way four blasted Sontarans into the ether and five popped caps in Dalek ass more like uh, the man who wouldn't hesitate am I right <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen gives this overall snip 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 overall this story earns the coveted <gasps> five votes out of five yikes Holy Beeps. read this in his full splendor thank you very much Stephen Stephen can be found at S Andreetson on Twitter thank you very much Stephen
1: Thank you, Stephen. Next. Who's next? It's that lovely Kieran Evans. Hello there, Kieran. Hello, Kieran. Kieran, we are reading the first bit. It says, so for me, this is the best of the season. A dark satire on TV and media, uh, particularly Video Nasties, which were a thing at the time. In a weird way, a lot of it feels more predictive with later shows, such as Big Brother and Gogglebox. That said, it is quite brutal in tone picking up from last times. Now, quite a few complaints about things. In particular, the acid bath scene with the doctor apparently pushing that guy in. Personally, I don't think he does. But the quip doesn't help, indeed. And snipping to the end, Kieran gives this 4.0 out of 5. With a little PS. 1,620,783 votes in the vote. They, They show... Which is a nice way of telling us how big Varus is. Indeed. Which is fantastic. I had
0: not picked up on that until this mini. So thank you very much. Can Kieran be found on Twitter?
1: Boy, of course. If you need electric vans, maybe even two of them, you can go to (laughs) KJE Vans too. Thank you very much, Kieran.
0: Kieran. Who's next? Why? It's Ed Corbet. It's Ed Ed Corbet or Ed Corbett? It's one of those. That's right. It's Ed. Hello, Ed. Sorry, Podcast Land. We're speeding through these. Ed says the following, snip, snipity, snip, 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 and adds. <laughs> I like the way the viewers were set up as mourning and bickering, but still basically friends, which later became darker as they threatened to snitch each other to the government as the tension started building and events were raising them out of their apathy. Yeah, I think that's actually a better way than how we put it. Snip, snipity, snip, 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 and Ed concludes a satire on politicians having no real power and having to do dumb things to appeal to voters who just want to gawp at their TV screens and enjoy others' torment. It's good to see that in nearly 40 years, nothing's changed. It's overall a good series. The, quote, (laughs) high-speed escape on a golf cart was particularly entertaining. (laughs) And Ed gives this a solid rating of... 3.3 out of 5.
1: Thank you very much, Ed. Good stuff. Thank you, Ed. Who we got next? Who's next? (laughs) (laughs) Why, he's blagging along in his Richie Wonderland. It's Richie Black. (laughs) What up, Richie? Oh, Richie. Richie, we're reading the starting a bit again, which goes, Wellity, well, well, what do we have here? I'll tell you what we have. Call back to the sun makers Evil Boom. Dude in chair check subdued populace check Social commentary on the rise of TV subduing said populace check extravagant nice. punishment zone you bet your ass there is <laughs> <laughs> very nice Richie laying that out exactly as we needed it Skipping to the end, Richie completes the review with final score, 3.7 couples watching TV having no idea what to do when the TV turns off. Wait until they see Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very nice. Thank you very much, Richie. Richie Blag, a.k.a. Richie Von Sexington. Can Richie Von Sexington be found on Twitter somewhere?
1: Yes, of course. He goes without the Von. It's just Richie Saxington. Nice. Thank you very much, Richie. Thank you,
0: Richie. Who's last?
1: Why, it's...
0: (gasps) It's Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello, Neil. Neil says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and adds, Perry has a horrendous time in this story. Yeah, agreed. She is slapped across the face, forced to watch the Doctor die on live TV, and finally turned into a bird woman. Other dreadful things worth mentioning include... (laughs) Two old men wearing nappy is going mental. Mm-hmm. Actors pretending to be terrified by a really slow golf buggy. Oi, what's your beef, man? <laughs> and everything is brown. I want to enjoy this one, honestly, <laughs> says Neil, but I can't help finding it drab dull and joyless. And Neil, oh, to end on this rating, Neil gives this a rating of 1.8 out of 5. Making us all a little bit more realistic (laughs) in our review. (laughs) Thank you very much, Neil. That's solid stuff. People can follow Neil on Twitter and Instagram respectively. He
1: can be found at Neil Androzoni and at Neil Jam S Actor on instagram yes (laughs) that is true it's probably more likely neil james actor
0: Thank you very much, Neil. And sorry, didn't even notice Perry's leotard changing colour. Everyone in Podcast Land who sent something in for this, thank you so, so much. And everyone who sent something in that we only snip, snippity, snip, snip, snipped. Apologies, it's getting super duper late, so we rushed through this. But thank you very much for sending it in. Everyone, everyone, go and read all those minis in their full splendour. And that does, in fact, conclude our Vengeance on Varos soiree. Jim, I've had a fantastic time. Have you had a fantastic time? Of course, dude. Yeah. It's
1: a slightly leading One question. I apologize for that. <laughs> when, when can we continue and have another fantastic time? Oh,
0: my what goodness. Will we well, you and I are going to continue in two weeks' time, aren't we? Because now we're on the every two weeks Trapped. again.
1: Yeah.
0: That's right, Doug Nabbitts. Meaning in two weeks' time, what are you and I reviewing?
1: Well, I believe I asked the question, but fine, I'll answer it. It's Mark oh, of sorry, the Oh, sorry, sorry.
0: Mark of the Rani. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm super, super looking forward to, because the Rani is another one of these legendary characters. Yeah. I believe the Rani is a time lady with name. gigantic hair, I think.
1: Possibly, I think. yeah.
0: In between, we will, however, also be dropping a New Who review. It will be of It Takes You Away
1: exciting stuff
0: at some point we'll have an audio review of what
1: apparently the gathering yes that's bloody right it is
0: and the next bonus who review which may in fact drop ahead of all of those i might just drop the midweek at some point is going to be new to who back when part two in which Stephen of New to Who fame and I discuss the best and worst episodes to start someone off on Doctor Who with the new Who doctors that we have reviewed in full on Who Back When. Oh, exciting. That's right. Jim, this has been fabulous, but I want more of you. How can I get more of you potentially on Twitter, say?
1: Potentially is is the optimum word there. I don't do a lot on Twitter, but you can follow me at Jimmy the Who.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy the Who. That is some excellent branding. Oh, I, I do uh, try. <laughs> I can be found on Twitter as well. I, too, am fairly inactive there. But it is a solid platform. If you want to say hi to me or have a chit-chat, reach out. I will high-five you right back if you high-five me. I can be found at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Podcastland, you've been a lovely audience. Thank you so much. Until the next time, please rock on. Be rad and excellent to each other. And cha-chao. See ya. Would have want to be <laughs> Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha-chow! Who
2: back when?